0: Hi, welcome to the Keep Calm, I'm an Early Childhood Professional podcast. I'm Julia from Daycare Digital and I'm super excited to be bringing you this fantabulous podcast just for early childhood leaders and educators. I'd like to welcome my wonderful friend Heidi from PRM Consultancy, who just so happens to be an early childhood educator and consultant.
1: Hi. I'm Heidi. We are going to be chatting all things early years and giving you some hot tips on how to master A&R, your centre self assessment tool, as well as staying compliant, whilst also staying in touch with your families and communities. So keep calm and stay tuned. <laughs>
0: So, uh, hey, Heidi, how are you? Fancy seeing you here. How did we finally organise this?
1: Hey, Julia. I have no idea, but this is number one and so exciting. So where do we start? Let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. God,
0: everyone's going to switch off now. Well...
1: (laughs) If you survived our singing, you're probably wondering what we're doing here and what makes us think that we've got any idea and how we can do this. Well, apparently we're experts. (laughs) So,
0: (laughs) How about we start with how we know each other and what sorts of things we do?
1: Okay, well, I think I was your boss. Mm -hmm. No, no, I was your director and you were one of my gorgeous three to five room ECTs. Oh, so many moons
0: ago, ma'am. Rings. Oh dear, we think it's so funny, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll let you decide if you keep listening, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now let's get serious.
1: Okay. Why are we here?
0: Well, I think we always thought it was a good idea, really. Um, we tend to have some in-depth conversations about the subject we are most passionate about, which funnily enough is early childhood. And whilst we're also great at working together, we are good at fleshing out our different perspectives. So mm, good at challenging and reflecting.
1: Yeah, and I also think this is about us building knowledge, extending learning so that we can become better educators. I think we said we're experts. Not sure it fits, but we're trying pretty hard. So, gorgeous woman, what do you do when you're not podcasting? Mm,
0: Gosh, what do I do? Well, um, I'm an early childhood teacher, um, but I retrained after having my three little ladies and um, I trained in marketing and communication. And I thought, oh, hey, epiphany. Why not put the two together? So um, now I support earlier services to communicate with their families and communities as well as policy review, documentation, and all the rest that goes along with it. Um, Lots of work, but I love it. So, dear Heidi, what do you do?
1: I sit on the beach, I brush my hair, I drink cocktails.
0: Okay, well, end of podcast then.
1: (laughs) No, 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 no. When (laughs) I'm not doing that, I'm usually found in an early childhood service working with them to embed exceeding practices and assist them in improving their everyday habits through mentoring. I also do some lecturing on the side and I think that's about me. Excellent. Sounds like we're a little busy. So now how do we link this with this podcast idea? Oh, yeah. Well, I just thought we were here to set the world to rights. (laughs) Aha! And here I was thinking it was our monthly catch-up.
0: Well, I'm going to need a coffee for that.
1: Well... (laughs) true. After listening to some podcasts, talking to services, we felt that there was a hole that maybe our bottoms could fit into by providing conversations and ideas about the real early childhood no holes barred. Mm, Yeah, well, I think our experiences have really shaped
0: the educators that we are and how we want to support educators, even though we're not always working on the floor. Um, I mean, I know for me, the role I play is about advocating for the services and the children and encouraging them to be the best that they can be and showcasing that as well as making life easier for them so that they can do what really matters to them, nurturing and educating the
1: children. Definitely. And supporting the services with hands-on opportunities to see what they're doing, not to criticize, not to expand this blame culture we live in, but to build the educators into more holistic practitioners who share and express the same passion. Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: And I think it's much about um, building up the educators in the same way that we do for children and
1: supporting them
0: to be well-rounded
1: human beings too. Yeah, I just don't understand. Why don't we support educators and services in the same way that we support our children and our families? 100%
0: agree. I hope that the way that some services treat their educators is not a reflection on how they engage
1: with the children. Definitely. Sadly, it's been happening for a little while though that educators are getting a bit of a raw deal. The bottom dollar is definitely heavier on the scale of fairness and some services still doing it tough. Trying to value educators and children and families but sadly, it does all come down to cash at the end of the day. Mm, and It's such a shame that it has to be like that.
0: I mean, for the moment, at least until we get it fair, um, people are disheartened by it all. And that is just really reflected in their attitudes. And I'm not saying that this is like that for every educator or service by no means. It's just that we hear a lot about the ones that struggle. And I think we really need to start celebrating what educators do, like the really good stuff and embracing our criticisms as opportunities for learning and reflection and growth.
1: agree with you. It's probably the subject we could talk about forever. We also need to remember as much as COVID was like two years ago, like soon last year, (laughs) many services are still recovering, still feeling forgotten and still treading water. Now, the sun's out. Let's get on to brighter topics. Excellent. Well, I am sure we'll come back to that
0: at some point. It's a pretty recurring theme. That it is. Mm. And on that note, though, we'd love to know what you think and what your experiences are. You can send us a message on our socials, um, which is our Instagram, (laughs) Um, at... Keep, Keep calm. calm Podcast, that's what it is. Keep At Keep Calm Podcast, we've just set that up. It's really awesome. Um, we really value your input. We see this podcast as a bit of a collaborative approach. Does I say that right? Collaborative approach. Um, as even though, you know, we host it, but it's your podcast, we want to know. So send us a message.
1: And don't forget, we are early childhood teachers. If you don't respond, we figure we're not meeting any outcomes and we need to reflect on that and we think we've failed you and not done what we need to do like you do with the children
0: exactly we don't want to do that we really want to be able to work alongside you you know it's a partnership and support you as much as we can even from behind the
1: microphone we are in those trenches with you guys don't forget it this podcast has been brought to you by daycare digital and prm consultancy for general awareness and advice on legislative and day to day practices, and for any other information, email keep calm early childhood podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you so much. So, what are we talking about?
0: Well, now we've got that intros out of the way. I think we should take a look at the fishbowl experience. You want to explain what we mean by that?
1: Ah, uh, the fishbowl. So by this, what we're talking about is how, in early childhood, one of the hardest things for educators is that you're just always on. There's someone always watching you. There's someone always asking, "Why are you sitting down? Why aren't you smiling?" Why aren't you interacting? It's never an opportunity to go, do you know what? I'm running on eighty percent and I actually just need to sit down. I don't feel well. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's
0: um is it okay to be running on eighty percent? Is that a good thing? You know, like um is that is that okay to be running on eighty percent? Like should should educators be there when they're on eighty percent or
1: well, I think it's a, it's a support thing, isn't it? When mm. we talk about most workplaces, if we worked in an office or we worked, I'm going to say, even in a primary school or something like that, yeah. can you not say, I'm running on 80%, I'm not quite 100% today, I need a quieter day? Yeah, yeah, I, th- I agree with you. I'm just checking. Does view. that not give <laughs> it, But But do we have that right in early childhood? Do we feel our educators have the right to say that?
0: Well, it's all about, I mean, there's a mental health issue here, right? If you're not running on 80% and you're, if you're running on empty even you know if you're not quite up to capacity we we have to be aware of those mental health issues that by us going um by us saying to educators why aren't you doing this and why aren't you doing that firstly as a blame culture secondly it's saying well you're not living up to the standards of what i expect of you and we know what it's like as children when children have a bad day, we're full of support for those children and we're supporting them through whatever they need. What do you need to make your day better? So why can't we as adults say that exact same thing? What do you need to make your day better today? You know, if does it mean that you need to go and spend the morning in the baby room
1: just with the babies or you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can can I close this up though? Yeah. I'm not advocating for people going, I don't feel very well. I'm chucking a sick day today. Yeah. We get seven a year. Yeah. That's not going to cover every time you don't feel a hundred percent. Yeah. Save them. Save them for when you really need them. (laughs) But I think we need to be very aware as well that if an educator, I don't know, as a manager, I would rather my educators come up to me and say, hey, Heidi, I'm not feeling very well today. Yeah. Okay, cool. How can I support you? As you said, what do you need? I need a quiet day. Mm. Cool. I'm going to stick you in the baby's room and you can be in the cot room and you can have a quiet day. Yes. My back's aching today. Cool. I'm going to stick you with the preschoolers for the day because you shouldn't be lifting them. You shouldn't be doing any of that. Yeah. I think we have to learn to support our educators to do their job. Yes. And as you said, it's a mental health issue, but we also need to be aware of the physicality of our job. We also need to remember we've got ratios that we need to be thinking about. And management isn't wanting to spend a fortune on casuals. Oh, so expensive. Oh, yeah. And look, as a casual, I know people look at me and go, that's expensive. No, thank you. Um, But we have to remember to be able to say rather than hiring a casual, can I have a quiet day? Or even I know one of our old bosses, she used to say, if you need a day off, come and ask. Mm. And I'll see what I can arrange for you in the next week or so.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah absolutely.
0: Um Yeah, and I think with um with that when when an educator is taking a sick day, the 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 sector is struggling with staffing issues as it is. And having a casual come in who doesn't know the ins and outs of the service and doesn't know your children, that's going to have an impact on on your service is going to have an impact on everyone else's day, and it's not about letting people down because you know obviously if you're really sick and i well, you should not be at work, you know, and you won't be letting people down. But if you need, if that's where it comes with um, flexibility within the centre, is like you know if someone needs that space that they can swap with with another educator. I know I've, I've mainly been with preschool and I love preschool, but you know when I was pregnant give me some time in the baby room so that I am not running after three to five-year-olds and I'm not full-on on my feet all day, you know, it's fine. I can go and sit and I can comfort some babies and give them cuddles and, you know, pat them to sleep and do those things, even the toddlers, because they're not, you know, that's that's where you need to be and that's meeting
1: your needs is as much as meeting the children's needs. And supporting an educator isn't about giving them a day off. No. Supporting an educator is about saying, what do you need right now? Right now. And I think it's what you said before. We're very good at looking at the children and when they're crying, when they're upset, when they're losing control of their emotions, to say, what do you need? Yeah, And we allow them that time to breathe and we allow them that opportunity. Why don't we look at educators and say, what do you need? Why don't we empower them the same way? And I understand we've got educators there at the moment that are a body mm. and we are paying them just to be a body. And that's not right either and we need to do more with that. But maybe we do more with that by supporting them and asking them what do they need. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's like, you know, what, and
0: it's in partnership with what the children need. So it's not just because you need a quiet moment. Can my service cater for that right now as well? It's being amenable to that on both sides and um, so not just saying – I need some time. Give it to me. It's like saying, "Okay, how can you make this work for me as well?" Like it's a partnership, and the and directors and approved providers and nominated supervisors and all the the rest of the leaders in early childhood should be working with the educators because we should really be valuing them in the, as much as
1: we need them. And and rather than this whole. I think part of the blame thing as well is let's get rid of the whole martyrs. Mm. I know people walking around out there going, well, I didn't have a day off during COVID. Congratulations yeah, to you. Yeah, we'll give you a gold star, right? Like, <laughs> great work. Well done. Yeah. You survived. Reality is a lot of people haven't. Mm. Reality is a lot of services aren't coping. But, yeah, you survived COVID. What is actually the long-term effect of this? I was actually thinking about it the other day after chatting to you. Um People that have worked, particularly managers that have worked through COVID for the last two years, are now overstaffing. Right. Because they're so scared of not having staff again. Right, yeah. Not being able to do lunch breaks, not being able to. Like there's actually a whole, you know, COVID soon last year. Yeah. (laughs) But reality is this blame culture now is, well, you're taking days off and I haven't taken any. Well, that's that's. It's then, uh, then on the other side. Why are you sitting quietly in a bad mood? I'm still up
0: doing my thing. It's yeah. We can't be doing martyrs. I mean the the other thing is is I'm you know, I don't I joke about you know, giving a gold star, or whatever. But in all fairness, like hats off to every educator who worked through COVID. Like that was a big thing, right? Every
1: educator still still in the field, guys. Hats off, gold oh, star, drinks on me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, those people like who are saying I worked through and I did this I I honestly am very grateful for that however we don't want them to burn out that's that's more what else it comes down to is that they work so hard and we, you know, we love their passion and dedication, but like not at the risk of burning yourself out and your own mental health. That's, you know, you also need to look after yourself and say, you know, what do I need? Yes, I worked all through COVID. So what do I need right now that is then going to put me in a better Standing long term, because we're losing educators to all sorts of things. The burnout is a big
1: issue. This is part of the issue. We've got staff shortages. Why? Because they've burnt out. Yeah, they worked so hard through COVID. They got through twenty twenty, and they went, "I'm done." Mm. Like we actually have educators that are early childhood teachers that are amazing diploma cert three teachers that are going. I'd rather work at Coles. Yeah, they're going. I'd rather work at Maccas, because guess what? I earn more. I can walk in, do my job and walk out and no one cares. Yeah. And guess what? I don't get in trouble for not sitting there interacting, smiling and dancing with the kids every minute of my eight-hour shift.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's full on. It really is.
1: It's it's a big ask and I think we've got to learn to, (laughs) I don't know what the word is. I'm going to say advertise. Okay. Maybe it's an advocacy thing. Right. But we've got to put some truth out there for the industry. I supervise university students. Yeah. Do you know how many of those doing the 0 to 12 degree? Tell me in their early childhood prac, I've just got to get through because I'm going to work in primary school. Wow. I had one this semester who actually looked at me and said, if I could walk out tomorrow and be guaranteed that I could just be a Cert 3 educator, I would be happy. Mm -hmm. She's in her fourth year of her degree.
0: And she wants to be... In early childhood, she just but she doesn't can't want
1: see the point in it.
0: Oh, that's so sad. Because we're we're sitting here advocating for the sector because you know we're I'm we both are super passionate about it, which is why we do what we do. And it's it's so sad when you hear people who just want to get through it,
1: and it's. Oh, that's the wrong choice, right? But aren't you seeing that with educators as well? You go into services and they're like, oh, well, you know, I could go up the street and get a better job. I could go earn more here. I could go do this. Well, go do it. But why are they staying? If that's what they're
0: saying, then is it that they're saying that because the conditions are saying that the conditions that they're in aren't what they want
1: but really they do love working with the children? I think we've got a big mix mix right now. We've got a lot of educators who are in it for the children, who are going over and above. Like Mm. I think you and I said it once when we first started working together, you haven't been a good early childhood teacher if you haven't spent half your pay packet on the children. (laughs) I know on Kmart, (laughs) going everywhere. (laughs) Don't go to Kmart. Um but in saying that the educators are there. They're doing that for the children. They're trying their hardest. Um, I had a manager say the other day to an educator, look, I've been told by the approved provider that you actually need to stop buying resources, because management will never realise that they need to give us more money for those things if you just keep buying it yourself. Gosh, that's so. That's really true. It is so true. But,
0: but aren't they torn between? How like- could you
1: do your job if you couldn't go to KFART and buy some stuff? Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, oh, like oh, I probably could do a whole episode on Kmart. <laughs> hey Kmart, you wanna like give us some details? I was gonna say maybe they uh, wanna yeah. advertise. <laughs> but no, seriously, like um I think that's part of being a passionate educator and wanting to provide for the children is making their experiences amazing. And so we go and spend our own money. We go and buy books. We go and do things because we love those things. And surprise, surprise, a lot of those things either get to stay in the center with our name and our phone number on them (laughs) and our maiden name in in some cases. In the hope that you get them back or you're just like, you know, or you come home and end up with a massive box of stuff multiple boxes. I've got a few boxes in the shed, but now, you know, now I've got my own children. I'm past it. And they're like, mom, why do you have your name? And that's not your name. Yeah, that's <laughs> and not like, your name. Um, you know, those sorts of things. So it's, yeah. I mean, we should definitely do this is someone write this down. We need, <laughs> we need to know that we're going to do another podcast on um, spending resources, spending I, money
1: on your resources. I think so, this is yeah. the thing when we're talking about the fishbowl experience, particularly in that situation, As an educator, you're going to be devastated that I'm going to come in and say to you, "Why are you not doing anything more for the children? Why are you not doing this?" Well, I don't have the resources. Well, then you should buy them yourself. But you told me yesterday not Mm. to. It's that expectation. So how do I win? How do I do this? Yeah how how do you win? And and it's about the children. And how do we? And uh, sorry, managers, I'm I'm in your corner so badly, but it so comes down to you. Because as a manager, if your staff aren't willing to come and have those conversations, mm. I, I don't know. It's uh, You tell me, what was I like as a manager? Did you come and talk to me? <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah.
0: Yeah, of course I did. I think um, a lot of it's about expectations though because I know as a manager – having worked in other centres where there is the expectation that, oh, you're just going by your resources. Oh, you're just going work over ratio or not work, you know, or you're just yeah. stay so that you're not over ratio or you're, um, yeah, you know, you don't leave the floor until you can. And, and going to other centres where that's not the case and then it's like, okay, what do I need to do to meet those people's needs as well? Like it's, it's a whole learning curve. Like even as a, a manager in the past, I've been like, you know, cause you've got things coming from head office and you've got your educators and you've got the families and there's so many different running parts that you're trying to balance everything and then meet everybody's needs at the same time. And it's like, well, who, who goes last in all of that obviously me but who else goes last like I can't meet everybody's needs at at the same time effectively like what else do I need to help me meet those people's needs and
1: it's a real juggling act and I'm not as I said I'm in every manager's corner I'm in every yep. approved provider's corner I'm in every educator's corner but I think I don't know what 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 do services need because we are all different and we do all have different expectations i also feel a little bit like we're working on we're working on fumes people are scared to verbalize what they need because they're scared of the reaction mm. but then we don't actually know where to start right i mean Maybe we need to put
0: this out there, right? So like what support as a service do you need? Like what can we do, like Heidi, Julia, to help you? Like is it getting someone in to help you guide you on what this looks like and implement or is it about having someone take some tasks away from you so you don't have to do so much? Like what is it that you need? I think we need to ask our audience what they need, right? Because is it mentoring? Then we can,
1: yeah. Is it training? is it and are people of the whole industry and the government actually supporting us
0: oh there is that yeah <laughs> but it is it's about like you know we are lucky enough to be in this position where we can provide support and we look at it give it an honest and different perspective right from our experience and stuff so um, yeah just reach out and let us know what we can do and how we can lighten your load you know do you need resources because you know that's what we're here for
1: yeah, we're we're here to we're here to help and I guess let's go back to where we started. Yeah. The podcast is about being real, being truthful, being out there. What do you as educators need? What support actually works for you? This is our interlude. You have 20 seconds. Quick, go to the loo, make a coffee, do some critical reflection. We'll see you on the flip side. Okay, so what is the answer? Is this a one-shoe-fits-all or are we all actually different sizes? Well,
0: I think that we probably need to go on uh, meeting the individual needs of educators and services thing.
1: How does that work? Because is that not actually part of the problem? Mm, I have no idea. <laughs> are we stumped for the ideas because we actually want a tick box? Like do we actually want somebody to say, here's what to do, tick the boxes, you're good to go? But I don't know, do we need to create our own version based on our individual educators, the approved provider, the nominated supervisor, our families, our communities, our little children that we hang out with every day that make us smile? That's that's like a, a
0: good list of things, right? Um, I mean... We could have like a basic skeleton like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Your little friend,
1: Maslow. (laughs) Um,
0: Where we need to make sure like the basic needs are met, right? So are they okay? Is their roof caving in? Because if there are structural problems, then that's going to make building upon dodgy foundations really hot. I'm not talking about your actual building. I'm talking about the foundations of your early childhood service, right? (laughs) I mean, obviously, if your roof's caving in, that's a whole other issue that we personally can't help you with. But if,
1: <laughs> if you're your service, I'm waffling. So true. And if you have dodgy foundations, please go get them checked out. Yeah. <laughs> but are we back to the never-ending conversation? You and I always end up in these loops going down these rabbit holes about the importance of your policy and procedures because we know how
0: much I love them. Mm. We love a bit of paperwork, don't we? We're yeah. the odd ones. We love it. We have a um, problem. You know. You know what? You, you've probably onto some there. I think it might be um. Look, like, you know, they are the basis for our centres, and maybe all centres need a well-being policy that puts their educators first and creates the culture of their service. So the atmosphere comes from the top. So if you can get that right and instill, or lest I say, embed, oh. into our everyday practices, it becomes a habit. It's just the way you treat people.
1: It is. But again. We need to remember we all come from different backgrounds. We all have different parentage. We all have different experiences. So what I think is being kind to someone, you may not agree. And I think that's something that we don't realize, and I'm going to say it until you become a parent. You know, our elf and everything says respectful, reciprocal relationships, but that 18-year-old trainee that just started two weeks ago has a very different view on what that means to this old lady, Hugh, who hangs out with dinosaurs. (laughs) I mean,
0: yeah, of course, it's very individual. But, um, yeah, and I I hear what you're saying about being a parent. Like, that does change you. And I don't know if that necessarily makes you become a better educator but a different type of educator because you have a different – you're informed differently, right? Um, But at the end of the day, it does come down
1: to, like, being a decent person. Perhaps. But as a service, there's nothing in my regs about being a decent person. (laughs) There's nothing in my regs that says how to handle this. So where do I find it? How do people reference back to it?
0: I mean, it could be about tolerance as well. I mean, how much are you willing to accept? And so many personalities as well. Um, You know, there's a lot to navigate and unpack there. But I think we can always refer back to our code of ethics and – It refers to, in relation to our colleagues, the profession, our families, our children, our community. That's what it says. Um, For example, it says, um, acknowledge and support the diverse strengths and experiences of colleagues in order to build shared professional knowledge, understanding and skills. So kind of comes from there. But I mean, what sort of policy or document do you think you'd want to refer back to? Would it be
1: something that we'd need to create? Well, you know, that code of ethics is hanging in every staff room. Or oh, the toilet. <laughs> True. <laughs> but how much do any of us actually read it? How much do we truly reflect on it? Does it actually guide your teaching? How do you link that in with your elf? Well, it's funny you should say that because you know
0: me and the ELF and the QAs and everything. Yes, quality areas, sorry. Early Years Learning Framework, let me refer to it in its full name. Early Years Learning Framework, quality areas. We'll talk about the umbrella of the National Quality Framework another day. But, ooh, ooh. <laughs> but um, yeah, like the quality areas do refer to it. You know, um, Quality Area 4.2 is all about professionalism and management. Educators and staff are collaborative, respectful and ethical. So yeah, it's in our standards. <laughs> quality area all about governance and leadership. Systems are in place to manage risk and enable the effective management and operation of a quality service. And you know, surely we are looking at the risk to mental health here as well. and, you know, um, Quality Area 2 talks about well-being and comfort of the child that they're provided for. Um, I sound like I'm r- rattling I these was up, going right? to, I love <laughs> you that you remember all of these. Um, it goes back to talking about um, how we can have all these standards and expectations in place for the children, but we also need to have, um, you know, a degree to which we apply these to
1: ourselves. It's leading by example. Well. If we're going to go down that path, should we throw in Section 7 of the Profession Teacher Standards? Look at you. (laughs) Which says to engage professionally with colleagues, parents and the community. Exactly.
0: And I think this is something for the next episode, don't you think? Definitely need to dissect
1: those. Definitely. And I think it's something that if anyone else wants to contribute to the discussion, let us know. Yeah. Reach out. Hit us up on our socials. Mm, What is it, at
0: Keep Calm Podcast? Is that right? That sounds perfect. We should probably look that up. (laughs) It'll (laughs) It'll be be in the notes. I was going to say it'll be in the show notes. (laughs) Um, So um, now this is our interlude. You have 20 seconds to grab a piece of paper, a pen and your thinking cap as we will be right back to share three nuggets of gold you can implement right away in your service. Welcome back indeed. Well, I hope you've got your shiny pen. Otherwise, you can always hop back into the podcast to this bit. So rewind. But, you know, get your get your pen and paper. <laughs> What's up? Make sure you go to Kmart. Get oh, yes. a shiny pen. Shiny pen. They like do really cool ones with like koalas on the end of them in that like pocket money section.
1: You've been there too much.
0: I have. I have three small people who like that section.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've upgraded to typo. Oh, I say, Kiki uh, K. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, what is our first gold nugget, Heidi? Number one, we're going to keep this simple, guys. Check in. Check in with your colleagues. How are they? Open the dialogue that it's okay to say I'm not 100% today. Let them know you're there to support them however they need it. And I, I don't care if you're a trainee, a Cert III, a diploma, an ECT, an ed leader, a. Proved provider, nominated supervisor. One of them. But open the conversation and let's be honest about our responses. So let's have approved providers say, I'm actually not coping very well today. Let's have trainees say, I'd really rather not work with Heidi today because she's a bit mean sometimes and it upsets me. <laughs> I'm
0: sure people aren't saying that, Heidi, but if they did, they need to have that honest and open conversation. They right? do.
1: And, they, and, you know, I need to be able to say, don't put Julia near me. Her positivity could kill me today. <laughs> we need to say, I need a day in the room." I need a day hiding in the outdoor shed organising it and need a mental health day. Can you organise that in the next week or shoot? Is that possible? Mm. Okay. Nugget two. Let's go, Julia. All right.
0: Well, if you're the someone who's having a bad day, what can you do to be proactive in that? So not everyone's going to hear this podcast. So so share it with them, right? But you know, they're not going to hear that. So they won't know that we are advocating for this. So take some time to think about how you can share your bad day with someone so that they can support you. Um, you know, what does support look like for you? Mm-hmm. Remember that so you can help others to help you.
1: Third and final nugget, Heidi. We had to go there. Mm -hmm. Check your policy and procedures. Do you have a mental health policy? Do you have a staff wellness policy? What happens if someone needs support? What do they say? What does the service do and what is the reality of it? It's all well and good to have our policies but, guys, we all know you get sent them and you get told to review them and you go, yeah, it's fine. But when you actually are following that policy, is it realistic? Is it practical? Reflect on it. Go to your nominated supervisor and say, hey, this says here that I can say to you, I need a mental health day and you'll let me have a day off in a week. Is that actually possible? Does that happen? Be forward thinking about it, but go with a solution. Don't just go in pulling it apart. Just don't go in being negative and don't just go in and say, there's an issue, there's an issue, there's an issue. Go in and say, this is here, but that's not actually what we do. Mm, come with the, pro- with the solution to the problem, right? Try and solve it. Work with them. We are a team. You are a team in your service. We are a team as early childhood. We're here for you. Keep calm. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And um, remember, if you do need
0: help, you, you can reach out. Like, There's lots of um, organisations that you can reach out to, and we'll pop some um, useful information in the show notes for you as well. So <laughs>
1: Sad moment. I've run out of coffee. No. We've got to be finished. No.
0: Well, all right then. Well, this sounds about right if we've finished the coffee. Um, Until next time. Until next we meet. Okay, well, thank you for joining us for our first ever episode of Keep Calm, I'm an Early Childhood Professional. We would love to know what you think and to join the conversation, hop over onto our Instagram and add a comment on the posts or just send us a message. Yeah, we want your opinion. We do and we want it now.
1: (laughs) But for now, breathe, reflect
0: and keep calm.
1: So perhaps what we should say is thank you to all the services that we've worked at for providing us with these resources. Yes. And maybe we should suggest that if you can't find these in your service. You have a problem. And maybe you should hit us (laughs) up for some help. (laughs) Well, where will they find you? They will find me on the Keep Calm Podcast. Yep. But they'll also find me at prmconsultancy.com.au. Excellent. And where are we going to find you? they'll find me on the Keep Calm podcast how funny is that wow
0: that? <laughs> but they can find me at uh, au as well and we might be able to give them links mm-hmm. to these resources in fact there'll probably be a link on our websites
1: to the podcasts with Ooh. the channel amazing it's amazing how the internet works amazing how all this thing just falls perfectly when you ask a few questions I know right <laughs> anyone else want to thank I'm sure there's one other person producer Pip perhaps, perhaps. yeah just Case kick her in there. She put up yeah. with us. Yeah. Yeah. And all our hilarious jokes. I know. She's <laughs> laughing because she has to. <laughs> we pay her extra for that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Pip. Thanks. Yeah. And we'll thank you next time. Yeah, because people so, are going to contribute, right? Yeah. So hit us that up and then we can thank you in this next time. Yeah, exactly. This podcast has been brought to you by Daycare Digital and PRM Consultancy. For general awareness and advice on legislative and day to day practices, and for any other information, email keep early childhood podcast at gmail.com.
0: Did you know that just one missed call or poorly handled inquiry could mean losing out on a potential enrolment worth $20,000 a year? Over four years, that's a whopping $80,000. And if that happens once a week, the impact on your centre's revenue would be a staggering $1.04 million a year. The harsh reality is that most childcare centres believe they're answering 80-90% to 90% of all phone calls when in fact it's closer to 60% plus many calls are not handled consistently leaving families feeling frustrated and confused. The good news is that Airchild's smartphone system is here to save the day. Their cutting edge technology offers a comprehensive solution for all your communication needs ensuring that no call goes unanswered and every family feels valued. early learning services are you ready to take your online game to the next level whether you're just dipping your toes into the online realm or you're ready to dive headfirst we'll guide you through the process and make sure your center is ready to rock jump on our website daycaredigital.com.au and let's book a
1: time to chat if you are looking for an assessment or rating health check mentoring and management support call prm consultancy offering a one-hour free consultation contact them now to see how they can personalize support to suit you and your service 0409 443 224 or prm